We're talking about it. This is Hamilton Today with Scott Thompson on 900 CHML. Hey, it's Hamilton Today. I'm Curtis Thompson, Scott's son. It's election day in Canada. Get out and exercise your right to vote. Or exercise anything f- for that matter. Ted and Diana are in the newsroom. Ken and Lisa are on the street. Will is on the board. And here's Scott Thompson. Good afternoon. It is 3.09. It is 900 CHML. I'm Scott Thompson. It is Hamilton today. Uh, Willers can back at the board, as uh, Kurt has said. And, of course, everybody else standing by. Good to have the whole crew here on Election Day. It's a pretty exciting time. Do you guys get excited about elections? Tonight, how's that? <laughs> yeah, <Same>. really. <laughs> True. <laughs> you know, it's absolutely, uh, you know, in a newsroom, whenever there's an election day, everybody goes out, dig, 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 has to cover your beat, has to do your thing. Uh-huh. Because it's a pandemic election, things just differently now, guys. What's, yep. Yeah, Is that what it's about? Well, Diana was uh, verklempt because she wanted to get pizza on election night. It's I a tradition. Like- <laughs> you know, we should be having food in here. Every but- time I hear election day and I, like, think about going into the newsroom, I can smell it's the like pizza. Pavlov- like- Dog, right? Election right. night pizza. <laughs> yes, there, there, there's the true sign of a radio person. Uh, it's not about the event. No, it's, the hell oh, it's we're the food. Gonna, it's yeah. we're gonna get free food. That's what yep. it's all about. Oh, too funny. It yep. is gonna be way different this time out. Yes, for sure. And you know what I've noticed too. And and uh, I I voted on the advance polls. Did you? Do you I think you said you did, Ted? Did yes, I not? did. Yep, yep, I did. And, and what about you, Diana? No, I still have to go after work tonight. I'm going okay. straight there. Yeah. And there you go. Now, what have you heard about lineups and such? Because there are less polling stations now. I have seen uh, pretty big lineups, to be honest. There yeah. are polling station is at a church um, just yep. on uh, Queensdale on the mountain. And, um, you know, I was in the kitchen this morning with the window open, my husband and I. And we heard this crash and we were like, oh, my God, what is that? And everyone was fine. But there was a three vehicle collision right outside the polling station. Oh, man. And I'm pretty sure that they were all probably looking where to park, where to pull over, where the sign is, the lineup. And I was just and, like, and oh. all three and all three probably from d- three different political parties. There you go. <laughs> oh, God. I well, they didn't look too happy when I drove past. So. Well, you know, no. this was interesting about this whole pandemic election because, you know, once the vaccination started and such, it was this wasn't going to be a big deal. We could do this election. Canada said we can do this just like anything else and any other election in any other year. But nobody told us that there was going to be a, a, a drastic uh, reduction in the amount of polling stations. I mean, again, we're used to having it very close and, and a lot of people had to get in cars to go. Here's proof. I live near Gage Park and driving to the station today, there is a funeral home right at at the Delta, right across yeah. from the yep. uh, Delta block, and there was a lineup. There must have been 20 people waiting to go inside there to vote. 50 feet or 50 meters to the left of that is another community hall, which also was a polling station, which had a lineup of people going in. So obviously, uh, we can't vote in schools, but I just thought it was a little odd to have two polling stations literally side by side. Uh, well, I guess they've amalgamated some and such, but do you think this is going to turn into a low t- a low voter turnout? Because if people start seeing lineups now, it's a nice day, thank goodness. But I- I'm just wondering if this is going to turn into a low voter turnout simply because less options. I think what people may get is people may get there and, you know, wait for 20, 30 minutes, which uh, may be happening in some locations. And then they'll say, I'm not going to vote. I'm not waiting anymore. And then they're going to leave. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, good point. We'll see. Uh, a little later on, we're going to ask you both about the first elections you ever covered and uh, the first time you ever voted. Uh, my daughter and I and my wife went to an advance poll. It's kind of neat when you go the first time with your kid. You're sort of saying, all right, this is what you have to do for the rest of your life. You know, Don't stop now, that's for sure. Uh, but do you guys remember the first time you ever voted? Yep. Yeah. All right. Hang on to that. We'll talk about it later. All right. Uh, poll question of the day for today. Do you intend to vote? What are we sitting at now, Will, with the total so far? Can you give me anything there? We're watching it buffer and buffer, and here we go. 46.5% say yes, they do intend to vote. 58 say no, and 477 say they have already voted. There you go. Wow. Uh, what does that say? All right, and uh, yesterday, or last week's, rather, a poll question of the day about the outdoor game. Does that reinvigorate the NHL discussion? 86% say no. I know Ted's surprised. See? All right. Uh, See? <laughs> See? <laughs> You can, you can go. I think it's just the way it's phrased, though, Ted. It's all in how the, it's all in how the question's phrased. That's what it's all about. All right. Uh, still, uh, by the way, go to Twitter, go to our social media pages, and uh, feel free to jump on board. Phone lines always open, and you can send us a note via the website, Scott Thompson at nine hundred chml dot com. It is Hamilton today. Also, uh, good news today that's uh, kind of non non-election related. Is it good that the election's coming to an end? You kind of feel like you got a spring in your step, don't you? Now we could just do that with a pandemic. Uh, Pfizer, uh, obviously, uh, given the okay for those kids 5 to 12, which is great news. Hopefully, uh, we can get that into arms by the time Christmas time rolls around uh, in this country and move on. So uh, lots going on. And uh, interesting uh, poll question of the day. Do you intend to vote today? This is on Twitter. Feel free to jump in. 46% say yes. 47% already have. So uh, what does that say? They already said that there is an 18% increase in uh, the advanced polls this year over next. I think just people are, or last rather, I think more people are just figuring it out now and getting into it. And also, it's a pandemic. So, you know, I'm not sure it necessarily means anything this time out, although it usually does in some form. Let's bring in Sean Simpson, VP of Ipsos. Man, what a roller coaster ride uh, it has been for them in the last year, not only monitoring uh, a global pandemic, but also uh, a election as well. And Sean is with us now. Sean, thanks for the time. Hope you're well. I'm well, thank you. So your thoughts, I mean, this is coming to an end. We know where they are. They're virtually neck and neck. As you look back at this pandemic election, what stands out for you? What was different here than we don't see in traditional elections? Uh, well, I think what has been uh, very different from what we normally see is that we have an increase in the percentage of Canadians who say that we shouldn't be having an election. Normally, after an election is called, uh, if it's a minority situation, people are upset and they say, well, why are we having an election? But they move on to other substantive issues. But in the absence of any wedge issue in this campaign, what we're seeing is that a growing proportion of Canadians say we shouldn't be having an election. Uh, It's nearly two thirds now. And I think the implications of that are twofold. One, some might choose to take that out in the prime minister because it was his decision to have an election. The second implication is that some people may feel like it's not worth their time to vote. They have concerns about their safety voting in in person. They have concerns about endorsing the the, the prime minister uh, if if because he called an election. Uh, and uh, as a result, uh, I think uh, I suspect that we're going to see lower voter turnout, despite the fact that we had more people voting in the advanced polls. Uh, that was, I think driven by covid not necessarily uh, an excitement about the the campaign specifically 
Let me ask your your opinion on this, Sean. Uh, when all, before the election was even called, Elections Canada said, "Yeah, yeah, no problem. We can do this. We got vaccine coming in. We're fine. We're fine. Life goes on. Have the election." But it, it, all of a sudden, uh, our voting cards arrived, and we realized we didn't have uh, the same options. Uh, or far fewer options uh, as polling stations, having to travel farther instead of walking to the local school or wherever, you're now having to get into your car and such. So why did they not tell us that at the beginning? Because I think in the end, that's going to tick some people off that they're going to find out that, uh, A, that uh, it's not quite as easy to vote. They've got to go somewhere else. And then when they're there, they got to line up. So yeah. how, how do you think that's going to change things come today? Yeah, I think one of the big stories coming out of this election campaign is going to be some of these things that, that you've mentioned. Um, you know, uh, uh, if if you have to go at six o'clock and stand in line for two hours uh, and delay your supper as a result, you may decide that it's not worth it to, to stick around and, and vote. So if if turnout is low, um, I think that uh, not only will the prime minister have tough questions to answer about why he called an election when clearly people weren't very enthusiastic about having one, but questions for Elections Canada about uh, why we you know, seem to have been um, Ill- ill-prepared uh, to, um, uh, to, to have an election, despite you know, knowing for quite some time that it was, uh, that it was imminent. I mean, it was, a, it was a, the worst-kept secret, I think, in Ottawa that we were going to be heading to the polls soon. Uh, and here we are, uh, and, uh, and still seem to be having some significant challenges uh, keeping up with the, uh, uh, with the demand for people who do want to vote. And Elections Canada was very adamant about, you know, this isn't going to be a problem. There's no, and, and it was as if there is, there are no issues here. And clearly with a reduction and in some areas, a vast reduction in the amount of options to vote, that's, that's a, a major impact. And as you said, if that turns to a lower turnout, uh, uh, who favors that? Who, or, and, and not? What happens? Yeah. Uh, typically, uh, lower voter turnout would favor the Conservative Party because uh, people who are most likely to vote are generally older people. But, you know, if we're talking about standing outside in the evening or or throughout the day, if it's raining, I mean, not too many older people are going to want to do that either. So this is all a bit of an unknown. COVID has has caused us to reconsider some of the, the assumptions that we typically have about election campaigns and how they work and how the vote progresses throughout the course of the day. Of course, we have more advanced polling. Liberals seem to, our polling suggests, seem to do quite well in the advanced polls when typically it's conservatives. Well, that's because conservative voters are seem less concerned about you know, their, their safety uh, in, in about voting in person, whereas liberal voters more concerned about it, so they're voting earlier. Uh, this is, you know, a lot of unexpected things happening in this campaign. Tonight, of course, is, is going to be a very close race, and I think turnout um, could, could have a very significant impact on the outcome because things are so close. And many times pollsters, and, and we've talked to a lot of them, just like yourself, and, and, and everybody's got everybody basically in the same spot. And as you head into an election, you know, the momentum just keeps continuing and you can pretty much predict where this is going to go. However, I'm wondering if because of the uniqueness of this election, because of the fact that there's fewer polling, there's lining up, it's a pandemic, whatever, if people uh, maybe vote differently than what they had polled even 24, 48 hours earlier. Is that possible, or or chances are we're going to see a minority here? Yeah, I mean, absolutely possible. I mean, it it stands to reason that if, 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 if you were in line for, you know, two hours or whatever it is to be able to vote, 
you might have built up a little bit of anger. <laughs> yeah, by the time you get there, you yeah, change your vote. And, and that could impact your vote, uh, absolutely. We, we've seen, uh, actually, uh, uh, since the first week when uh, the Prime Minister went from about five points ahead to essentially tied with the Conservatives, things have been fairly stable throughout the course of the campaign. You know, uh, a point or two here or there, the debate didn't really change things. So, uh, you know, I'm not expecting a massive uh, shift um, and, and if things ha- if things turn out differently from what we're expecting, I don't think it's necessarily because a lot of people change their mind. I think it's because we've seen the impact of voter turnout uh, and, yeah. and, and what a pandemic election has has done to people's uh, intent to vote, not who they're going to vote for, but just simply the act of voting itself. Because the odds are, as you just say, is there a chance of a majority here for somebody? Uh, yeah, I don't I don't see it. Um, yeah. You know, our polling has the Liberals uh, at about half of the lead they had in Ontario last time. Um, so that means that yeah. they will lose seats, uh, likely in the 905, a couple in southwestern Ontario. Um, and uh, it's hard to know where in the country they would gain seats. It's likely not going to be in Quebec. The Bloc Québécois is too strong. It's likely not going to be in British Columbia. The NDP is too strong. And so where else on the map can the Liberals find seats? You know, probably nowhere. So uh, that means that we're we're essentially going to be, you know, more than likely stuck in a minority government situation unless something completely unexpected happens tonight. Sean Simpson with us, VP of Ipsos. It's been a fascinating race to watch, albeit a short one. And of course, it all comes to a head after the polls close at nine o'clock tonight. Sean, Sean, as always, thanks so much for the time. Much appreciated. Be well. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. It is uh, Hamilton today. I'm Scott Thompson. Deanna, uh, Diana Weeks is also with us. And, you know, it's interesting. I don't know if you saw this, Diana, but uh, uh, Don Mitchell just put this up on the website last uh, last hour. Election Can- Elections Canada estimating that close to 5,000 special voting kits issued uh, to electors in Hamilton didn't come back as of Monday morning. And obviously they got to be there by the time the polls close or they're not counted. About 18,000 kits issued, 12,000, just over 12,000 returned and it looks like if they don't get there by the end of today which you know would seem slim uh that they're not going to get counted so you have to ask yourself did people go for the mail-in thing and maybe not use it it just seems wild that it takes a pandemic for us to talk about mailing as opposed to my kid goes why are we not doing this online yeah i know right i know and and here we are, you know, mailing things like this sounds like something out of the United States, especially after we have to wait till, you know, like Wednesday or Thursday to figure out uh, what is actually going to happen here. Yes, it feels it's, very uh, weird. Yeah. And and again, you know, I'm not convinced that people are again, I, I did it in the advanced polls, but and I'm not a lineup guy. But, you know, maybe if you enjoy going to Costco, you won't mind uh, lining <laughs> up to vote today. Like if you're in a Costco, you'll have not a problem voting today. Yeah. But if you're the type of person that hates like something like that and lining up, it's going to be interesting to see uh, uh, how this uh, pans out. I know. They should uh, just take I, your poll at the t- at the Costco till. Hey, who are you that's voting a, for? NDP? Green? A, Liberal? Conservative? Could get some hot dogs, too. Yeah, exactly. That's right. And on the way out, you get a free hot dog for yeah, voting. There, and see? The, and, and a vaccine. Man, we're going to get this all wrong. Here's what uh, Sean Simpson from Ipsos had to say about people's uh, mind per- perhaps changing well in line. If you were in line for you know two hours or whatever it is to be able to vote... You might have built up a little bit of anger. Well, that could impact your vote. Uh, absolutely. We, we've seen, uh, actually, uh, uh, since the first week when uh, the Prime Minister went for about five points ahead to essentially tied with the Conservatives, 
things have been fairly stable throughout the course of the campaign. You know, uh, a point or two here or there, the debate didn't really change things. So, uh, you know, I'm not expecting a massive uh, shift. Um, and, and if things if things turn out differently from what we're expecting, I don't think it's necessarily because a lot of people change their mind. I think it's because we've seen the impact of voter turnout uh, and, yeah. and, and what a pandemic election has has done to people's uh, intent to vote, not who they're going to vote for, but just simply the act of voting itself. Is uh, Sean Simpson from uh, Ipsos, Diana? I mean, you're a couple of years younger than me. Uh, anecdotally, from your friends, are, are people interested in voting, or have oh, they been yeah. motivated? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I've always had uh, a group of friends that always, you know, was very politically active. So I mean, I always have friends that are very concerned about what the, you know, exercising their democratic rights and stuff. So I don't think they're going to be too turned off by a line. I, I don't know. I, maybe like my husband and I both didn't do the mail it, and we're actually going to wait in line. But yeah. um, my husband went this morning. He said it wasn't too bad. He said it moved pretty fast. So, you know. And, you know, I've been to, I remember, you know, you go an hour or two before, even on a, a normal election, you're going to stand in line anyway. Yeah. It'll be fascinating to see. And again, what's important is you get out there and you exercise your right. In the six years, what we've done is created a million jobs while at the same time uh, lifting a million people out of poverty. Uh, we have moved forward on the fight against climate change in real ways that so we're going to hit uh, the targets we've set and we need to go even faster and we will with what the experts are saying. Um, with the strongest plan. Uh, we have continued to be there to support people to move forward on reconciliation. Uh, that is the Prime Minister talking with Scott Radley, and oddly enough, the question was about unity. It seems we're more divided than we've ever been, and uh, the question was, what are, as a political leader, you going to do to uh, unite the country? We'll find out, won't we? Election Day today. Uh, polls open until 9.30 tonight, and don't forget, 7 o'clock tonight, uh, CHML joins uh, Decision Canada, the uh, global coverage of uh, the election results. It should be fascinating, to say the least. It is Hamilton today. I'm Scott Thompson. Will Erskine with us, Ted and Diana as well. And obviously, as we wind down this election, which was very quick, but I don't mind that, and what was the real issue? Is it an election about an election? Let's bring in Alyssa Freeman, PR and pop culture expert. Alyssa PR, she's with us now. Alyssa, thanks for the time. I hope you're well. I am, Scott. Thank you for having me on. So as you look at this at the very end of this campaign, uh, obviously different because it's a pandemic election and such. But other than that, uh, sunny ways versus fear monger, uh, a little bit more negativity. W what stands out for you during this campaign? I think what stood out was that the continuation of the narrative, why are we having an election and we should be having an yeah. election in a pandemic? Well, what if it was you know 18 months from now or at the end of um, you know, Trudeau's tenure, we were having an election, there was still a pandemic. Would they still say the same thing? Probably not. But I think that I was surprised how long that narrative actually lasted. It uh, lasted from the beginning of the debate, from the Conservatives and the NDP, to the end of the debate. And even at the very end, I don't even know why we're still having this election. So I'm like, you know what, just tell us about your platform and stop complaining. And what I think yeah. that that does is, is that it inhibits people to go, well, why are we having an election? I'm not even going to go vote. So when you, when you start to impinge on what is our inherent right, which many people in many countries don't enjoy, that just has a, I hope it doesn't, um, has a, it could have a negative effect on turnout. 
I hope Let it me, doesn't. I think there's a lot more people than I think actually did um, early voting. I should have. I'm not looking forward to standing in line for an hour, but I'll still stand there. Now, let me ask you this, because a lot of the times, and obviously we got a neck-and-neck race, uh, pretty much all polling uh, says that, and they will predict that going into the election. However, when this all started, even before the uh, the election was announced, Election Canada said, yeah, we can do an election, no problem, you know, we got a vaccine now, everything's fine, everything's fine. They didn't tell us that there would be less polls. They didn't tell us that you would have to travel a longer distance in order to get to the polls. They didn't tell us as a result of that, you're going to get lineups like we saw today. So do you think it's possible that while you're standing in line, by the time you get up to mark your ballot, that your opinion might change? I guess it depends how mad you are. And or do you use do you use the experience and say, ah, I haven't seen my neighbors in a while. How you doing? Good to see you. I would have been doing during COVID. You know what? Maybe. Have we lost Alyssa? Okay. Uh, 905-645-3221. Start 9900 on your cell. Robert's on the line while we figure out what happened to Alyssa. Robert, what are your thoughts? Well, I just have one. In the event that we spent $600 million on in my belief, nothing. If the events never change, meaning that we get the same results, is the media not a little bit responsible for not hammering home to Trudeau, don't have an election, don't have an election, or all the media sort of going, well, that's the way it goes. (laughs) I might be biased on that. Um, You know, it's, and not perhaps the way you think. Um, you know, I, I think people are going to be really cranky if when all of this is over, and as you said, the $600 million has been spent, if we end up in the same place. People are going to be furious. And I have a hard time believing if we do end up in the same place that this, the next government will last even half as long as this one did, because something will, somebody will pull the plug. Uh, and but if we go through all this and we end up in the same place, I think people are going to be upset. Does, and doesn't it, in the event that that's trans, transpiring right now, with like 80% of the polls and we heard all kinds of crazy numbers like in this saga, instead of having 52 polls, there's like 16 or 17. Are we on the verge of having an unfair election? I know. You know what, Robert? I can hear that. Uh, we got Alyssa Freeman. Thanks for the call, Robert. Much appreciated and hanging on the line while we we're getting Alyssa back. Uh, what about this, Alyssa? People, you know, I mean, if this was the United States and it was Donald Trump and there were fewer places to vote, my goodness, people would be up in arms. Are people going to challenge this when it's over? Oh, well, I hope not. And I hope that we don't go through that. I think that yeah. um, what may come into play, though, Scott, is the mail-in ballots. Yeah. So the cutoff day, I think, was last Monday or Tuesday. And, you know, Canada Post is giving X number of days for the ballots to get there. And then apparently there's three envelopes in those ballots. So then they have to be opened uh, appropriately. And, gee, can you just hear that some machine yeah. got jammed <clears throat> with a bunch of envelopes, which I think has actually happened before. So I'm even wondering, Scott, if we're actually going to get a result tonight. Yeah, boy, oh boy, that's like you know waiting know up on Christmas. This election, I think that that, I think that to your earlier point, should uh, Election Canada had more of a Plan A, Plan B, Plan C, and why didn't they have Plan A, Plan B, Plan C? Um, we'll never know. We'll never know if they had one. We'll never know if they had even considered some of these variables of less places to vote. I know that I have to go further than I've ever gone before. I used to go around the corner to the school. 
Yeah. And now I'm going to some community center, which is, you know, 20 minutes, maybe a 15 minute drive, but at least I can drive there. Think about the people who maybe don't have access to a car. Well, that's it. I mean, how much of an issue is this going to be, especially if it's close? And I mean, my goodness, the whole thing, there was just, I was just watching a thing that came up on, on my news feed that said, uh, I think out of 1.2 million ballads that were issued, uh, there's a couple of million that have not been returned by today. And if they're not, they don't get counted. So, uh, like I didn't get my voter card till after the first day of the advanced polling. So I don't know why they said we could do this so easily when, and now there's been all of these issues. It's, it's very bizarre. But we were out of time and we're going to do this again, Alyssa. Alyssa Freeman with us, uh, PR and pop culture expert, Alyssa PR. We will chat after it's all over. So that could be a week Thursday. I don't know, Alyssa. Okay, we'll then. I'll put it in my calendar. <laughs> and good luck. Good luck. Take some, take some shots, some video of you in line and we can play back that later as well. The picnic no you're going to have. All right. Thanks, okay. Alyssa. Catch up on the news and information you've missed. This is Hamilton Today with Scott Thompson on 900 CHML. Uh, polls close at 9.30 tonight. The election coverage starts at 7 o'clock. Decision Canada, part of the global news coverage. And, of course, Alex Pearson, as we talked about last week, is a part of this and will be uh, at the headquarters of Erin O'Toole and is on her way, on the, I guess, now. So no no limo, no uh, bus or something and with caviar and stuff. You're, like, stuck in traffic, Alex? Oh, good man, life, Scott. Didn't they tell you? Um, yeah, no, he, he, speaking of here in my car, uh, I'm in bumper-to-bumper traffic on 401 East as I kind of near my way to the hopefully exit soon, and I don't miss it because I'm distracted by uh, talking to you. But nonetheless, yeah, on my way to Oshawa to the headquarters for Aero Tool, where um, they're doing the big setup. Everything's kind of prepared. They were uh, when I left the rehearsals yesterday. They were doing the big Canadian flags and, and taking a steamer to them. And so, yeah, everything's the big setup, and now we're getting ready for the big show. You know, uh, initially you said you were going to go to the Liberal headquarters. I think that mm-hmm. would have been a, be- a better fit for you, Alex. <laughs> I would have paid big money to have seen that. I had the blue dress all picked out. I thought, wow, <laughs> great. And then I was like, you're not going. I'm like, I can't imagine why. You know, it's yeah, always yeah. fun being part of these. I, I've done a lot of them. I've done the NDP. I've done all all the parties. Like, I've always covered it. Generally, I'm not with the Conservatives. So it's actually kind of different for me to be with them uh, on, on tonight. But, yeah, it would have been fun. I have a feeling somebody high up bumped you, and I don't mean with our I company. But I, but I digress. All right. Yeah, so she's not uh, on the list. We can't get her in. But. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. No accreditation. <laughs> didn't clear. Didn't pass the security <laughs> clearance. Yeah. Uh, all right. So uh, pollers have this virtually. Pollsters have this at virtually a neck and neck tie. We've heard yeah. that forever. And we'll yeah. say that that's the case going right into the election. However, uh, Elections Canada promised us a, uh, an easy election. They didn't tell us we'd have to line up. They didn't tell us that there was going to be less polling stations. Do you think that people's minds could change while they're standing and waiting and getting irritated? Depends on where you are. And I will put this out there. Elections Canada actually said before the election that Justin Trudeau demanded we have, uh, we need a longer writ period. Like, this is going to be a problem. Of course, they didn't really demand, say, hey, we need advanced polling the whole time, or this is what we're going to need. And so here we are on voting day. Now, I went to the advanced polls, which I think a lot of people obviously thought, okay, I got to get this done, which we saw 5.7 million people, which is great to see. But will they vote tonight? Now, if you're in downtown Toronto, which is very, very liberal red, I'm smothered in it from all sides, there's 15, 15 polling stations to the 90 that there normally are. And there are huge lines. 
very big delays. And when my husband went to vote this morning, he said it was utter chaos. They didn't know, you know, people were showing up with cars and they were being told, oh, you don't vote here. You have to go a mile away or this or that. It was chaotic. He got his vote in. But what we've been hearing in the Toronto area, per se, is that there are really long lines. So if you're a very motivated voter, you're going to wait and stay. But you got to factor in there are a lot of elderly people. There are a lot of people that yeah. have to work and they've only got a little lunch break. So will they get out to vote? I think that's going to be a big factor. And if that's the big factor facing Justin Trudeau, that's going to be a big problem if his vote can't get out. Because the the Liberals under Justin Trudeau in 2015, they got very good at the ground game. Because polls mean nothing, Scott. They mean nothing. Yeah. It's easy to say you'll vote, but you have to vote to make it count. So if if his party can't get the vote out, uh, they're in trouble. So do you expect a low turnout as a result of this? It's so hard to say. Like it's so it is, isn't it? We got the six million advanced polls. Okay, so that will probably fall in Aaron O'Toole's side. But you know, we've got the mailer voter uh, mail voting, which will fall probably to the liberal side. It really depends on who gets out the vote today. Um, and for Aaron O'Toole, as you know, he's got to get more than eight seats in the GTA. He has to grow in the GTA. He's never going to win votes in Toronto unless there's some kind of come to Jesus miraculous moment, but he needs to punch through more in the GTA. And he's also got the Bernier factor nipping at his heels all through southwestern Ontario and kind of outside of the Toronto area, Durham region, those areas and pockets. So if they can get them, if, if O'Toole can get the vote out, then he may squeak this through. It really depends on which party can actually get their voters to the polls. Can you imagine if this yep. time tomorrow we are yep. in the exact same place? People yep. will be livid. People will be livid if we're in the same place tomorrow. Well, they will be. And then, you know, what happens when you've got that kind of vacuum, the void in the vacuum is it fills up with information and rumors and gossip. And yeah. then all of a sudden you've got a conversation. Well, that was an illegitimate, uh, you know, vote or this or it was fixed. Or you get you get these kind of swirling, yeah. um, you know, silos building um it is i don't think we are unless there's something that we and no pollster saw during this campaign and there's a huge surge of of you know when you start to see eastern canada come in if you see the liberals start dropping seats there uh then we're in for a wild night but you know if they start taking the the east um primarily uh, atlantic canada then we may know, maybe, but I, I actually don't think we're going to know probably for a couple of days. And then how close will it be? You know, how close is this election going to be? And then factor in, there are two ridings in Ontario, uh, Trinity Spadina, which was Adam Vaughn's riding, and it just got um, basically taken out because the candidate there was uh, accused of sexual uh, assault back in the day, and, and Trudeau finally had to relent and, and say he was not going to be running for the Liberals. That was a Liberal safe seat. Then you've got the Kitchener seat where you've got the candidate for the Liberals who was a Liberal MP. Um, he had to uh, step aside, but his name is still on the ballot. And so right. will he still win that seat even though he's not running? Those are two very important seats. If we've got a very close vote, those seats are going to matter to the Liberals. Uh, what do you think the chances are that uh, we will end up with a majority? What are the chances, do you oh. think, that, that, we'll, you know, that something completely different will happen other than everybody trying to predict this? To I literally think, like I said, unless all the support for Bernier all of a sudden flips and goes right to, to O'Toole, 
um, again, you're gonna you're gonna start to see what happens, kind of the tone of where how how the anger is manifesting in Atlantic Canada. But if it's very slow, it's going to be BC for the first time in an election in a long time. You know, we have to wait till BC gets its vote in and count, and then figure out who's uh, winning. I, I just don't see a majority happening this time. I, I think it will be a minority. It's just a matter of who wins it. So let me ask you this. Do you think we will know the winner at the end of tonight? Do you think no matter what way it goes, whatever, do you, what are the chances of us at least knowing what this, the, the outcome is tonight? Well, we're, we're broadcasting till at least, at least 1 o'clock in the morning. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I have no idea. It's so hard to say. Uh, I think, again, you start hearing the story in Atlantic Canada, I think it will give us an indication of how long the night's going to be. But I, I think... It might be a day or two until we've got a really kind of a solid idea of who's taking it. Unless, of course, the pollsters miss the boat on all of this and then they got a whole lot of explaining to do. Yeah, so here we go. We end up right yeah. in the exact same place oh. that we started at. And then it's dragged out and we don't get the result for a couple of days. Talk about adding yeah. insult yeah. to injury. Yeah, $650 million later, again, you've got government not doing their job of serving the public. And then even worse, what if we have two... Well, if, if O'Toole pulls out a, a minority win, he will um, he will govern. He'll stay with the party, obviously. But if Trudeau gets a minority, there's going to have to be a leadership review. So then you've got, you know, all these leadership reviews going on at a time when really government should be focusing on Canadians. And I just, I go back to the point I said when we talked last time, Scott. Canadians are not being served by this election. Canadians will do the right thing and get out to vote and do their part, but they have not been served at all by this election, which was really only a power grab. So I think yeah, many, many are still trying to figure out what the yeah. uh, issues are. Alex Pearson with well, us, host of On Point. Exactly. And of course, we'll be at Aaron O'Toole's headquarters tonight, part of Decision Canada Global's coverage of election 2021. Alex, as always, thanks so much for the time. Be safe, drive slowly, and uh, we'll be listening and watching tonight. Good luck. is Hamilton Today with Scott Thompson on 900 CHML. Can we in the news industry kind of foam at the mouth when this happens? But it's like, we're heading into OT. It's the final countdown. If it only felt, well, I guess it does with an election. Uh, but if we could only say the same thing, too, about the global pandemic, wouldn't that be nice? Hamilton Today, I'm Scott Thompson. Will in the house. Also, uh, Diana and Ted stopping by. Uh, and again, gearing up for the big election coverage tonight, starting at 7 o'clock. Uh, of course, uh, the great big global coverage kicks in. We've got people all over the place, and we've talked to Alex Pearson already, and each one uh, covering various uh, headquarters and such uh, in this campaign. And uh, during a pandemic election, obviously, that's a little different. Let's bring in Robin Gill uh, with Global National and the BC Correspondent and covering uh, Jagmeet Singh at the NDP head, uh, headquarters in BC and is with us now. Robin, thanks for the time. I hope you're going, uh, doing well. Oh, thanks for having me. It's been a long ride. I can tell you I just spent the last week in about 20 cities and six different provinces uh, traveling with Mr. Singh, so it's been an interesting campaign, to say the least. On that note, obviously you've witnessed a couple of these. What is the difference in this campaign? Now, obviously there's obvious things like social distancing because of the pandemic and such, but, but what has stood out for you in this campaign? What's really stood out in this campaign is that you can't have those normal rallies because of COVID. 
So when you're following a leader and you are going to the rallies, so to speak, they're, they're in parks because they have to socially distance and have fresh air and obviously lots of masks. And leaders and candidates, they get their energy from a crowd. So when you can't have those rallies, you don't have the same energy. So at the beginning of this campaign, we found that Mr. Singh had smaller uh, meetings and, and, you know, smaller groups, and he didn't have the same energy. But once the campaign picked up and they started moving them into the parks, he really got his energy from that. And, and he, when you compare him to the last uh, election in 2019, he was a politician in progress. The party whisperers have obviously worked with him. So he's now more energetic. He's more, um, he's more eloquent. He, he can, he can talk better. He has more personality. But the issue that we found as reporters is that he wasn't clear on his platform points. So he didn't always have those in place for him, whereas he was a, he was selling, you know, his personality. He was selling the fact that he's a really nice guy and he's affable, that sort of thing. We remember uh, last election, there was lots of hype both about the NDP, although, as you said, he, he was much newer then and people were getting to know him, not so much this time out. Uh, obviously, it's a familiar face now. Uh, but but I guess both the NDP and the Greens looked good prior to the election, and then that didn't translate uh, for the NDP. Do you think because he is more well-known uh, this time that, that that's going to work in his favor, or will it be like traditional elections where they're playing the spoiler? You know, some this is this is actually the question of the election, and this is the one we're looking for tonight. Because yes, he has polled significantly higher. He is one of the more popular leaders, especially in BC. He's the number one leader. He's polling very high here, and so they are banking on seats in BC. But as you said before, he's been here before. It's fallen flat, as with other NDP leaders. So it's not anything new for this party. Uh, is Jugmeet Singh now the new hip guy that Justin Trudeau was way back in 2015? Uh, he's playing the same game, I can tell you that. He's, you know, selling himself as the younger leader. He's only 42. He's soon to be a father. Um, and he is obviously catering to the younger vote. He is, you know, he does things on TikTok. He does things on this platform called Twitch. And he's using those social media platforms to to gear to younger voters and progressive voters. So it's almost the same strategy that Trudeau was using in 2015. That was my next question. Is he out social media-ing uh, Justin Trudeau? Because, again, this was the way the selfie, everybody remembers that, of the first campaign and how he was relating to younger uh, to younger constituents and such. It has, has Jagmeet Singh replaced him in that role? I don't know if he's replaced him in that role because uh, I think that he, they, they, all three parties have still are still using traditional campaigning. They're still going, you know, door to door. They're still trying to, you know, have those rallies, albeit in an outdoor setting, albeit in a socially distanced way. He's just using a, a different different types of platform, and he has admitted that he needs those platforms to um, to get younger voters. But will it translate at the polls? Because Older people tend to vote, not younger people. Hmm. What is the buzz in British Columbia? Because obviously British Columbia has an NDP provincial government. Does that work to Jagmeet Singh's favor? Well, that was a question that he was um, hit. Um, that was a question that he was asked quite often. Uh, he didn't campaign very much in BC because he was targeting ridings that they don't have. Um, 
But the other thing is, is that John Horgan, the Premier of BC, was not ever seen with him. And he was asked constantly, is John Horgan not your supporter? Is, the, is this not working for you? Or why, why isn't he here there? Why isn't he there with you when you are in BC? And he never really had an answer until the end and said, you know, we're friends. We obviously are in the same party. And that was all he, he that was the only answer he could provide. Now, obviously, we've unfortunately seen the Green Party implode uh, just in the weeks leading up to uh, the election. What does that mean for the NDP? Does that does that does that generally mean that those votes will translate to the NDP? What happens with the Greens imploding? Who gets the advantage? You know, at the end of the day, the Greens didn't really have a lot of seats anyway uh, going into this, um, and they didn't really try to target that market or target that um, that demographic of voters. Yes, they they were, you know, key on climate crisis and key on, you know, climate change and environmental issues, but they seem to be emphasizing housing affordability more. So it wasn't like they were targeting that, um, that uh, party's vote or anything along those lines. And we actually even went into Alberta and Saskatchewan, and as you know, provincially, those are conservative provinces. And so they were targeting potential Tory voters who might switch over to NDP, hmm. because those two provinces have a tendency in certain ridings to have those uh, vote switchers, as we call them. It seems really interesting, interesting that the right? <laughs> the conservatives are starting to gain ground there. It's bizarre. Uh, it's going to be a fascinating night, Robin. Robin Gill is with us and at the NDP headquarters in British Columbia, and we'll be following the campaign of Jugmeet Singh as, of course, the polls close. Robin, thanks so much for the time. Be well and have fun tonight. It's a pleasure talking to you, Scott. Talk to you soon. You take care. It is 544. I want to play you a clip here from Jagmeet Singh when he was on with us earlier on uh, last week, talking about those that might be scared of socialism. Here was his answer. Well, I think we're in a different time now, and a lot of people are frustrated with the way the economy seems and feels pretty rigged. If you're working class, middle class, you work hard, pay your taxes, and feel like you can't get ahead. But just because uh, someone's got a $100 million or it's a billionaire or runs a, a large corporation, They've got all sorts of loopholes that mean they don't pay their fair share. That doesn't sit well with Canadians. We want to build a fair system where everyone can get ahead, not just the few, not just those at the very, very top. And it makes a lot of sense to Canadians that that's the way things should be run. And we're confident we can do that and we can create a better society where we take better care of each other. And I feel like the pandemic has really shown that the more we take care of each other, the better we are all. That is Jagmeet Singh, leader of the NDP, last week on the campaign trail talking about socialism. And obviously tonight, 9.30, you've got till 9.30 to cast your ballot. Let's bring in Henry Jasek, professor of political science, McMaster University, political science with us now. Henry, thanks for the time. I hope you're well. I'm doing well, and I'm happy to be with you. Uh, obviously, you've seen a couple of these uh, in your time. Uh, obviously, this is a pandemic election, so there are obvious uh, differences here. Mm-hmm. But over and above all of that, Henry, what stands out to you in this election after these these this short campaign, really? Short campaign, but I guess ups and downs. Like, usually, if somebody goes into an election, a party goes in, if they you know go up or they go down, it's usually for the whole period. But I got a sense that some of the parties have gone up and down over the short period. So there's been this, that kind of volatility, and that uh, is, is a bit unusual, I think. So is a minority that predictable, then? Could well, we see a surprise? I, well, I think the thing, I think there is. I mean, because the, the um, what is the 
four smallest parties, um, except maybe the Greens, perhaps, but are uh, actually have improved over the last week or so. And I mean, I, the big surprise, of course, has to be the, the People's Party. I mean, they're doing. I, I don't think they're going to win any seats, but I mean, they're 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 going to take a lot more of the popular vote than anybody, including myself, would have expected. Now, of course, the the loser in that will be the conservatives, because I think a lot of those people would have been voted conservative if there wasn't a People's Party. But uh, but also the bloc. I mean, a big surprise uh, is what the you know the English language debate had by throwing in the you know uh, the questions about the uh, you know the the policies about uh, religion and and you know what the public servants wear to work uh, in Quebec and. Then Quebec, you know, the Quebecers felt that they were being uh, bashed and you know picked on by the rest of Canada, and that gave life to the BQ. I think the BQ would have really fallen down quite a bit, but they've come back mainly because people, you know, the francophone population in Quebec seemed to really take offense at the question, which was essentially a, a provincial issue and not a Canadian-wide issue, and so that that was a bit surprising. I don't think I've seen that in, in a federal election before. Many have said as well that, you know, obviously nobody really wants an election, so that's uh, evident at the beginning of a campaign, but this continued right the way through the campaign. Now we're seeing, I was kind of disappointed in Elections Canada that they said, yeah, yeah, no problem, we can do a pandemic election, Mm -hmm. and now we're finding out there's less uh, polls, you have to do a little, jump through a couple more hoops in in order to get your vote in. Uh, Do you think that even though it looks like we're heading for a minority, that people may stand in line, and by the time they get up there might change their mind or are we set in stone here well i think once they get in line i think people are pretty probably pretty convinced about who they're going to vote for uh i would think normally you'd expect that i would bet that you know 95 percent i you know they're not going to change their name their their uh, you know their position to who they like to vote for even if they have to wait a long time question is who's going to wait a long time and who isn't like some people may say after 30 minutes i'm out of here uh, while some others will, will say, okay, I can stand here for an hour, an hour and a half, or what have you. But I have a feeling the people who were who were really impatient not to stand in those lines uh, probably made an effort to have mail-in ballots or go to advance polls or go to a you know a, an Elections Canada office and vote before today. So, I, And I'm not sure how that's going to really affect the various parties. It's sometimes hard to tell. How do you think Canadians will feel tomorrow if we go through all of this and we end up in the same place? Well, I think people, there's certainly a lot of people are going to say Trudeau owes us an apology. Yeah. And clearly, I mean, if he doesn't, if he gets only his minority, and I guess all the all the betting money for the most part is that's what's going to happen. And uh, and you know, he owes us an apology, and he and it's a failure. I mean, even though he may be prime minister as a result of all this. It's still a, you know, uh, he still put us through an election that we really didn't need. He didn't need it, really. We didn't need it. Uh, he put, he he called it during a pandemic, which he said he was never going to do. He had he called it in the summertime when he said he would never do that. So you know, so I think a lot of people would say he owes he owes the country an apology. I don't think we'll hear it from him. But but he does owe us an apology. <laughs> uh, that being said, if we do end up in the same place after going through this during a pandemic and the six hundred million and what have you, I have a feeling this will fall very quickly. I don't think this will last near as long as the current government has because people will just be ticked off. 
Yeah, well, I I don't know. I it, that's hard to tell. I mean, I, I mean if uh, I mean it may be that that Trudeau just hears hears that that people are angry at him, and at some point he'll just say, okay, I don't want. I I better get out of here. I I can't put up with all these people being angry at him. And we see that with some of the you know some of the some some elections and some premiers find they're in that position. Uh, happened most uh, recently uh, for I think it was in Manitoba for the Manitoba premier, but yeah, the, it may be that you somebody will try to he may go have the idea as well. I got to suck it up and 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 try to hang on, but he may just say I'm not gonna I better not put up with all this uh, hostility from people for doing this, and he may uh, may resign, and then that I think will be very interesting as to who will follow him. Um, I think there's a couple of likely candidates. But in the the conservatives are interesting if they get less votes uh, and less seats, a bit less seats than they did in the past. Uh, it's going to be interesting how they do it, and the, they have a reputation. The conservatives of giving a guy one shot, and if you don't make it, you're out. Uh, uh, if you can't make government, then you're out. And uh, but they, I don't know who the conservatives would pick to try to basically do better than they have. And it's really not, I think, uh, O'Toole's fault. Uh, it's basically the fact that we have uh, a party, a conservative offshoot, the People's Party, that's taking you know a large number of voters that normally would vote conservative, and it's just his bad luck that you know essentially mm. you've got a, a party like that uh, going up against them to split the conservative vote. Political science. We're talking political science with Henry Jasek, McMaster University, and you know he'll be watching tonight. Henry, as always, thanks so much for the time. We'll chat again after it, uh, after the dust settles. Okay, thanks for enjoy your time. The evening. You too. Well, I'm sitting right on the center as I speak to you, Scott. And in fact, I've used the line, take a look at the Conservative Party, because we're not your grandfather's Conservative Party anymore. In fact, uh, I've been growing the party, reaching out to new Canadians, women, members of the LGBTQ community. Uh, people that are worried about our prosperity, the poor response on the vaccine rollout, anyone who has these worries uh, about the country's future are welcome in our party. I'm the first leader from Southern Ontario since 1947 for the Conservative Party. I'm a kid from the suburbs of Toronto that served in the military, worked in the private sector, and I'm going to get the country back on track. So I think I'm occupying the centre and the other parties are generally all on the ideological left, and I don't think that's what we need coming out of COVID. That was Aaron O'Toole back on the show in March. Uh, Will has assembled some clips of all the various leaders and such uh, that have been on the show prior to the campaign and during the campaign, so we'll be playing a few of those throughout uh, the afternoon. As you go to vote, polls close at 9 o'clock tonight, and our coverage starts at 7 o'clock. Ted Michaels is with us. It's another edition of Countdown to Ted. He's uh, uh, on his uh, way to retirement eventually anyway, as we all are. Uh, Ted, I was thinking about this yep. on Election Day, and, and and obviously you're a news guy, and we were talking earlier about what this is like, and really, it is. It's, it's like New Year's Eve for news people. They get very excited about it, uh, and and it's always a big event when there is an election, and you're, you're going out to your various places. Do you remember the first election uh, that you ever covered? No, I don't, but I remember one when I covered here for CHML several years ago, one that stayed with me because I was not a happy man. Some Uh would say, what else is new? The story goes, several years ago, Tony Valeri, who of course we know is now working at Arsenal Tafasco, was running uh, in, I believe it was Stony Creek, obviously. Uh, Uh Now, back then, several years ago, we had to wait for the polls to close from BC, right? So, my luck, I covered that election that night it was a tight race 
it was one o'clock in the morning, right? Waiting for Tony Valeri, who finally showed up at his Uh-oh. campaign headquarters. He was losing. My first question to him was, are you ready to concede the election, Tony? He gave me this big, long answer, which basically was no. He wasn't. I was not a happy man. I came back to the station about two. There was no pizza left. It was just crumbs, <laughs> nothing. Everybody had deserted. And I was there, you know, getting audio and stuff and writing stories for the morning. Oh, I was not a happy man, Scott. That, that's like being at the New Year's Eve party at like 3 o'clock in the yeah. morning, and you're just there with a broom to shovel up or sweep <laughs> yeah, pretty, up after the day is over. Yeah. <laughs> you, you should have said, are you ready to concede, sir, so I can go home to bed? Well, you know, I mean, obviously, that's, that's where you should be going every there. Every time I see him, I ask him the same question, and he laughs. He finds it funny that I was miserable. However. So uh, what is it like to be in a office when the candidate is losing? Uh, you get a lot of worried looks uh, because what you do is you, you know, the let's just say that the polls close. Well, the polls close at 930 tonight. So if we were covering the election, we'd be there just as the polls close and yeah. wait to see. And then you have all the scrutineers coming back into the hall with their results. And then you see, depending on which riding you're covering and which candidate you're covering, either a smattering of applause and loud applause from the back of the room where they have this big board. And Diana knows what I'm talking about. They have this big board with all the numbers. Or you get people turning ashen face when they see that their candidate, (laughs) the people that they work for, is getting their backside handed to them in the poll. So it's a a different uh, dichotomy. You have the happiness on one point, and then you have the not so much on on the other. And we all in the media, we're all friendly. We all stand there and talk and come, you know commiserate the then the candidate comes in and we all go up like a scrum we ask the questions you know we all battle for for our time and then they go away and we go away so it's it's a whole lot of waiting around scott for uh, you know like in in some cases several hours till the results are finally known so have you ever covered a winner what happens when the person the candidate wins yes the last person actually ironically the last election that I covered was for Hamilton East Stony Creek. The person who won the election, and I was at his uh, headquarters that night, was uh, Bob Bertina, who won for the liberal seat. Mm -hmm. And we were there at the hall waiting for him, and he came in. I don't know. It was about 11 o'clock-ish. And I bet, knowing the media, he purposely kept you waiting. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Ted's out there. I'm going to go back to the charcuterie board for a sec. It could have been worse at a provincial election when, uh, you know, I I covered um, and I was uh, down at the uh, convention center and... um, no member of the NDP would come to the election uh, headquarters down there. They all stayed in their ridings. Well, how am I supposed to do my job now? What do you want me to do? Drive from riding to riding and try to find you? So how do you was, get the food then if you do well, that? Well, trust me, I did. But anyway, <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's it's a whole lot of waiting around for basically uh, nothing. And you'll see when you uh, hear it tonight on CHML and you watch it on global television, they'll have the long shot. They'll have the reporter standing there. And in the background, you can see empty spaces because there's really not much going on. And then, and then it starts getting, and it's really choreographed because if you're with a big, like, let's just say, I understand Alex Pearson, I think, is covering uh, Trudeau, I believe. So She was supposed to, but yeah. I think she's covering O'Toole. Okay. Well, yeah. whoever covers the major party leaders, yeah. it's like a dance because you'll see, like, the stage, yeah. and they come up, and everybody just gets really tight, and they pack it in for the shot of the But people. I wonder, like, how different that's going to be tonight. Yes, right? like, that's a good, yeah. that's 
it's a pandemic. Good point. You know, normally it's like a huge party yes. with these things, right? Yep. With all the fanfare yep. and pomp and circumstance. Yep. But tonight, I don't know if that's going to be what it's going to look like. You know. And I wonder if they would they give their speeches by Zoom, via Zoom. I, no, I, 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 I doubt it. I think they do it there. I think it's just going to be maybe more of a pared down event. Yeah. Let me ask you both a question. Obviously, a uh, less amount of polls. We're hearing about longer lineups. Do you think that will change people's minds when they go to mark their ballot? Uh, I think people are going to be maybe a little bit miffed that they have to wait in line. And if people have stuff to do, maybe they'll just say, ah, to heck with it. I'm not waiting. Yeah, and that's, that's, a, that's a shame, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But because I have heard in some places uh, it's it's bits and pieces. One person tweeted uh, they have no problems at all, and others yeah. are saying uh, uh, there yeah. are lineups. And, and the way that they're doing it this year, which I found at the advanced poll, is a little different because you sit down and they actually put your name through the computer, and then they give you the ballot, and you go there, and then you come back, and then you hand it to the person, and she puts it in, and then she checks. So it's, it's done this year, I think, a little differently. And one more point, I've heard from a few people who did not get their their voting card so they had to mm. call mm. and i guess you have to bring a couple pieces of id but that's the other problem too is if people aren't getting their voting cards they may say i'm, I'm not even going to bother pursuing this and not go and vote yeah. all that and no pizza really I'm telling you <laughs> it, it, look what it's come to See? in democracy all See? right uh, diana standing by diana do you remember the first time you ever voted yeah i do um i voted as soon as i could i think it was uh i don't remember the year but i know that um, it was as soon as I was able after I turned 18 and I just remember getting really excited about getting my voter card in the mail and actually going to do it. So, yeah, I don't, I don't remember what election it was, though. I can't can't think. You know, it's funny. And I was thinking of that and I'm thinking I'm going to have to go back to the year that I was, you know, I turned 18 and what the following election would have been. Da, 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 da. But I remember very distinctively being with my parents and talking about it at the dinner table. And then after that, we went over to walk to the local school and to vote. And I remember being with them. And it was, you know, wow, I'm an adult now. I'm voting. And uh, it's interesting because we did the same thing with Alicia, my daughter, uh, this time out. It's something to, to sort of pass that torch and that tra- tradition along just to get the next generation doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. For sure. And... And so uh, what about the first election that you ever reported on? Oh, man, that's a hard one, too, because I can't I'm having trouble deciphering between what was a federal election, what might have been a by-election, what was an Ontario election. I know I worked. You know, notice when I talk to these people, they can remember the food table. They can remember what they ate. uh, They can remember the pizza. They can remember when they were ripped off and didn't get the pizza. But none of them can remember what the heck they covered, who the first one or who. It's amazing. It's all about the food clearly with you too. I know and I really don't have an excuse because I mean I I'm you know going to age you and Ted here a little bit but I <laughs> I you know I started my journalism career I was out of school in in, in 08 in 2008. Oh my god. So I mean I I think I missed the first one cuz uh, there was millennium. <laughs> I know, right? Oh, I'm 80, 90. Oh, never mind. I will tell you where I was last election, though. I was here in Hamilton, and I was actually, Mm -hmm. um, as many people know, obviously I was working as a reporter at CHCH News, and I covered the uh, Matthew Green riding when he won. So I was there all night doing that reporting, and... uh, and yes, What's that- it like when you have a win? Ted's told us like what it's like to cover a loser. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean... What is it, it like when you cover a win? It was... Uh- 
It was a lot of fun being there, to be honest. You know, the energy in the place was just electric, and uh, it, it happens very fast. Like, I just remember being in there and going, you know, doing my hour, you know, hourly hits or twice an hour, and then just it happened. And I remember going like, oh, we got to go live. we got to go live. we got to go live. And the thing with, with television, too, is that, you know, you got to get their face. You can't just, you know, get their audio. So I remember trying to, like, get in there and get Matthew Green and get his face in there and really get him on air. So I remember I think I got the first live interview, which was great because I was, like, had my director and producer in my ear and I'll go chase him, get him, get him now. So, but it was, uh, you know, I, I love doing that. I love live news and, and obviously in radio or television, doesn't matter. So, you know, it was fun. It was fun to cover it and to be there and to see history in the making and that kind of thing. So now can you imagine doing that today with a COVID election? No. And that's what the the first thing I thought too, is because like, I remain like it was like standing room only and we were all packed in there and, and in each other's faces. And it was just, uh, yeah, I mean, it's weird to think about, but like, I can't imagine doing that without masks now or, or, you know, social distancing. It's just totally different game. Uh Oh, I, that reminds me. What was it like for you at the Cat game? Because, again, you're in there. Now it's outside. It's a little different story. But what was your take on all of that? You were there Friday night. We were there Friday night. We were there for the Labor Day game as well. And I felt like there was a lot more people there, obviously, for the Labor Day game. Um, and that yeah. was that was different. They, you know, they're checking to see if people are double vaxxed. So I felt good both times because you're seeing them look at your, you know, everyone everyone was really good with that. The lines were a little slower, a little bit longer, but I'm cool with that. And I'm sure a lot of people were um, because you know that they are diligently checking to see people's ID and make sure they had their vaccines and the double vax. So I felt better knowing that. Uh, and for the most part, as soon as people get out of their seat, they are wearing masks. So, I mean, it was outside. I felt okay. I felt okay. Uh, now, obviously, this is before vaccine passports. Uh, what was it like for that screening process? Um, it was fine. I mean, they gave very detailed. Uh, my husband and I are season ticket holders. So when we got our tickets, they sent us very detailed lists and emails saying, like, you have to have a PDF version. It has to be electronic. On Labor Day, I saw that. But um, on the game I went to Friday, a lot of people had printouts. So I'm not sure if that changed or or what the deal is. But I just have it saved on my phone. And I just go in and show them, you know, that I have it here and show them my driver's license or health card. And then away you go. That's it. So you don't feel you're fine being in a stadium? Well, you've already been to the Arkell show. You have yeah. no problem with this? No, not really. I felt okay. I mean, I, I felt okay. I think everyone was was doing their part and, and being patient and, and showing that they had been double vaxxed. And for the most part, people were wearing their masks. And I mean, it's all outside too. Like even the concourse part is outside, um, you know, so I feel like it's, it was okay. The only thing I, I feel like is different is that um, I noticed this a lot too, is that obviously people are more apprehensive about giving high fives and stuff, which makes yeah, sense they don't to touch me. each other. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of people do the elbow bumps or the fist bumps or, you know, just the, the look over and cheer at each other, but not really so now, much. Now, at the end of the day, let's be on though. Let's be honest here, though, Diana. So mm -hmm. there you are. You're, you know, you're giving the elbow bump. You're not giving the hug. And then you peel the mask off and you swallow a beer and start screaming at somebody <laughs> on the field and spray like three meters in front of you. Oh, yeah, I know, right? I, mean, yeah. I know, I know. There's no way of knowing. And, and I mean, if you start thinking that way, it's like you're going to freak out. And I, I, and I did and think exactly that a little bit. That's exactly yeah. what my wife says to me. You have a double back. Just get out. Just enjoy it. Just yeah. have fun. Move on. All right. That's what we got to do. Forget about his two cents. Scott has an entire vault filled with opinions. This is Hamilton Today with Scott Thompson on 900 CHML. It's the Scott Radley Power Hour tonight.
uh, also a columnist with your Hamilton Spectator. He is with us now. Scott, thank you for the time. I hope you're doing well. I hope you voted. I did vote. And you know, Scott, I, I have always, I didn't do it today. I have always said in my life, once in my life, I want to vote for the Rosserous Party just to do it. Mm-hmm. But it, today yeah. was not the day to do that. No, no, no. Uh, well, you know, I can make, I can see how you could think that way during a pandemic. Why not? You know what surprises me is here we are talking. We've got a story about this on our website right now. I'm sure you guys are covering it about how some of the mail-in ballots won't be counted because they won't arrive in time. And I'm thinking, why are we even talking about mail-in ballots when everyone in the private industry has had to pivot and do things online? Uh, why are and my son said this? Why are we not voting online? How come the pandemic shoved us all into technology, but somehow Elections Canada or the government didn't make it there? This is absolutely insane that we're having an election during a pandemic. We have less number of polls, and we're talking about mail-in ballots. What year is this? I would agree, but. And I'll tell you why I say the but part. I am just in the process of reading a book, and of course I can't remember the title of it right now, but it's, um, it's a new one out about the history of Facebook. A uh, fascinating story about uh, that company. And you know, they, part of what they talk about is what happened in the 2016 U.S. election and weird stuff that happened online with, you know, they talk about, you know, the fake news and Russian operatives and all this kind of stuff, whether it was true. Look, five years ago in the States, and for years after that, all anybody talked about was how the U.S. election was affected by people online. And so, uh, you know... But is that by affected by I people think, online, or is that people who are voting online? Well, fair point, but I'm uh, until we can get to the point where we can say with certainty, and I don't know if we're there yet, that nobody could possibly tinker with this system, and maybe we are there. But I, I, you know, even if we are there, Scott, my concern is, do, does everybody who votes believe we're there? Or do we then have a situation where at the end of it, we have this open door for people to say the election was hacked? Two words. So I, 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 Online banking. With, <laughs> Online banking. You, Come on, Scott. We can't had, still be using that argument. Issue? Have we, have you I've had lots had of bank issues? issues. I've had lots of bank issues, whether it's to do with uh, online or not. I, you know, again, Scott, it's not about whether or not the system works perfectly. It's about whether you're going to convince people that it works perfectly. And you know, I, I think to another example, how many times? And you've probably done this. I almost so, did this once, and I, I kicked myself. I got one of those emails from the bank telling me that my you know, my account had been hacked or something. And I almost typed in my information. And I caught myself in the last second before I hit send. But how many people might, because it may not even be the system being hacked, how many people might send in a fake ballot and think they voted and not really vote or something else? Look, I, I agree with your concept. I do. I agree with your concept and your son's concept. I just don't know that we have either the system or the cross-the-board confidence in a system that we could go to that as a full answer right now. So we have tons of confidence in a mail-in system where the ballots won't even that. arrive enough in time to, you know, I mean, I come on. It's 2021. Have some confidence in the future. You know what might be even have been a more interesting idea? Now, we did this. We could have gone to the polls early. There was early polling. What yeah. if we had said, 
that the election ran over two days. I don't know what the rules are or what the reasons are that we couldn't, but what if it was if you're Nate Lassen? But then all the people, then all those Yeah, but all the, (laughs) just like you're voting, it's A to M. But you know, all the conspiracy theorists would be be complaining about that because it's not normal. I mean, nothing's normal during a pandemic. This would have been the time to have changed this. And you may be right. As I say, I just look at this and I think you don't want to create a scenario, and maybe we wouldn't, I don't know, but you don't want to create a scenario when it's over, whichever side loses. Now you, you are pushing this idea that maybe something was amiss. Maybe something was askew. Maybe something got hacked. That, that's, that's as unhelpful to democracy as some of the other problems that we might have. I don't we know have all of that. We have all of that. We have all that. We have all of that already, and we don't even have online voting. All right, uh, Scott Radley, the Power Hour tonight. Do you want to quickly? Yes. Who's coming on? Yes, we will be talking election. We're going to be talking with. Uh, we got a few things, and we're going to be talking to you. And I'll tell you what the question is. Not you specifically, although you're welcome yes. to call in too. Um, we're going to be asking people: Do you tell people who you vote for, or in these times of anger and division, do you keep your ballot and your vote? even from your family and friends to keep the peace because i think a lot of people are just not even going to tell anyone anymore you know what it's like the old rule of thumb you do not talk about politics you do not talk about a religion and you do not talk about vaccination (laughs) scott (laughs) radley show i know scott radley show tonight make sure you're watching him or sorry listening to him and reading him in the hamilton spectator uh have fun tonight scott we'll be uh listening and and uh, and i hope you're covering the election we'll all be uh of course sitting on the edge of our seat for that thank you scott we will. uh it Thanks. is 558 news uh coming up uh then the scott radley show and then of course we go live to global and their election coverage alex pearson also a part of that and a lot of people uh on the global and chml team so stay tuned for that coming up at 7 o'clock. And don't forget to get out and vote. That is a wrap for the show. Thanks for listening. Always appreciated. And now we leave it to you, the good listenership, to jump up on top of the CHML soapbox and have the last word from Robert. In the event that we spent $600 million on, in my belief, nothing, we get the same results. Is the media not a little bit responsible for not hammering home to Trudeau? Don't have an election. Don't have an election. Don't have an election. Don't have an election.